In times of need, whenever a child begins to show that it has a need, what happens sometimes, especially a baby? Well, a baby will cry, right? Well, why? Just want to keep mom and dad up, right? It's fun. No. There's a need, right? When we consider what kind of need, though, do we also consider where to uh, get the materials to tend for that need? So if an infant is crying, we go and cook a steak, right, and feed the baby a steak. Absolutely not. What is it that we must do? Feed the baby milk, correct? Sure. Why? Well, there's no teeth. Baby cannot chew. However, unless we realize that if we choose not to give that baby milk, the baby's not going to grow. Brethren, we as God's children must understand that we have a personal responsibility to grow in Christ. We have a responsibility. I cannot grow for you. You cannot grow for me. Why? It's because it's independent, correct? Absolutely. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see here that the writer gives us exhortation to unity, uh, explanation of unity, and then he begins to go into the uh, breakdown of the purpose of gifts. And in that, he says in uh, chapter 4, 13, and on to 16, Notice, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature and fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men cunning craftiness, whereby they lay lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure <clears throat> in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When we consider the progress that a Christian must have, do we always try to relate it in an upward position? Do we always try our best to move forward instead of backwards? We must understand that God holds you and I to a certain caliber, caliber and responsibility as his children. Number one, God expects us to progress. This is an expectation on God's part. Progress should be striven for by the child of God. And lastly, progress will bring assurance. Well, assurance of what? Hopefully heaven eternal, right? First, but speaking the truth in love may grow. Grow up in what? In all things. By ourselves? Into who? Him. Who is the him in the text? That's Jesus, right? Notice, which is the head, even Christ. The expectation of growth comes from God. The gospel is to be spoken in such a way that the love of God is shown and it is given. 
Paul stated positively that by speaking the truth in love, we can then begin to grow as individuals. For example, at some point in time, we had stern discipline from our parents, right? Sure. And at times, rather than spanking, they would speak to us, right? Why? To try to get through to us, to reach us, correct? Absolutely. Which would include what? Son, I'm disappointed in you. Why did you do that? Daughter, I am disappointed in you. Sure, there is a beginning to our lives as God's children. However, there's also an end. And in between the two points, are we striving to increase instead of decrease? We should always try our best to positively see the reinforcements that the Bible teaches us. Now, interestingly, when we apply the gospel to our lives, we can then begin to see a dramatic change. The gospel has uh, some very interesting uh, capabilities. One of those is the transformability of the truth, the transformability of an individual. The Bible can transform a person from a sinner to a saint. It can happen. We simply must begin to believe it. Now, with that, please note that to maintain truth and love is only acquired by maintaining a spiritual growth. We cannot continue to grow in Christ unless we have a practical application of truth to our lives. This growth can only come from Christ, and this is because He is the source of growth. He Himself is what will cause us to grow. Notice that as a result of speaking the truth in love, we will grow in Christ. Therefore, if we do not have Christ, can we grow? Absolutely not. We'll grow as what? Well, as, as a child, as a spiritual child of God, right? Notice 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. In one facet, we are to be transformed into the likeness of Christ by the transforming ability of the truth. Notice, but we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what does this text even mean? What does it mean from glory to glory? Is it a different glory? Is it the same kind of glory that God has? Well, this glory is the experience of salvation available to the new covenant Christian. And it is mediated by God to that child. God leads Christians from sin to a sinless state. Justification through sanctification to glorification. You see, once we're made sanctified by God, we are then in that process of glorification. The once sinner who now wants to be like Jesus has an opportunity to live as Jesus lived. Notice Philippians 2.12.
What was the mission of the Son of God? Oh, he was supposed to die for the world. Okay, absolutely. Doesn't the Bible teach something about light coming into the world and that world seeing the light for the first time? Who was that light, according to John 1? That's Jesus, right? What was Jesus or who was Jesus reflecting when he came to this earth? That was his father. Now, why would it be that humanity had never seen this light in this way? Did man know about this light that would come? Absolutely, the prophets. However, when that light actually came, what did humanity do to that light? They murdered him. And unless that occurred, we could not have salvation. Unless Jesus died for us, we could not have salvation. Remember when Peter found out that Jesus was going to go die and Peter said, wait, Lord. What did Jesus do? He rebuked Peter, right? Peter, I've got to die for the world. Otherwise, no one's going to be a part of my father's kingdom. This has to happen. Why is that important for you and I to know? Well, because as God's children, we can use that information to reinforce our faith in God. Every single day of our lives, we can say to ourselves, Jesus died for the world and he died for me so that I can be with him for all eternity. For God's love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, right? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Are we willing to see that God the Son was manifested in the flesh to die for you and I just so that we could be with Him? However, if we are in a stagnated position, are we growing? Absolutely not. Therefore, secondly this evening, we as God's children should strive to progress towards Christ instead of walking away from Him. Notice, Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The question is this. When will we as God's children begin to put into practice the things that we've learned? We teach our children certain things, do we not? We teach them how to eat at a dinner table. We teach them how to tie their shoes. Right? What has God taught you and I, though? Well, he's taught us love, kindness, gentleness. I believe the Bible says something about those things, right? Galatians 5, 22, fruits of the Spirit. There's a reason why God is our Father. It's because we know and understand that He knows better than us. He knows we have to grow. Is there a point in our lives as God's children when we stop growing? Do we continue to grow? Hopefully, 
we will always try our best to strive for that which is righteous instead of unrighteous. To work out salvation with fear and trembling is to fear God with such reverence and awe that we seek to do God's will lest we fail Him. Have we ever been afraid to fail mom or dad? Man, I don't want to disappoint mom or dad. What about God? Should we always try to please God? Absolutely. Notice, we are to practice that which we have been taught. We are taught to obey with fear and trembling. We should fear the idea that we can fail God. And we can, absolutely. The question is, are we going to implement these things in our lives to safeguard us from digressing away from God so that we can grow, so that we can build? Philippians 2.12, we see the writer here tells us that even though he was not in their presence, they know that they should be obeying. Notice Philippians 3.12-14. through 14. We must strive to follow God in obedience, lest we fall from God. And yes, we can fall from God. Notice 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Take heed lest ye fall, right? Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, Give the earnest heed to the things which you have heard, lest we what? Drift away. I can willfully choose to walk away from righteousness. I was once told as a child, Kyle, no man can remove you from God's hand. Here's something I learned. I can remove myself from God's hand. Right? Yeah. God will never force us to leave him. However, that possibility is is there. The question is, Are we going to follow through with it? Or rather, remain obedient until death. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not as though as I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why is Paul talking about some kind of mark as a goal, pressing towards it? He made it his mission to please God at every single corner. Did he not? Absolute. Why? Because for so long, he never tried one time to truly please God. He persecuted the church, didn't he? Yeah. Paul made it his supreme mission to never disappoint God. Now, the question is this. What is the mark that is being taught about here. It's righteousness. It's God himself, right? It's the Son of God. Are we working towards the sphere of righteousness 
so that we may leave the former things behind and dwell in that sphere of righteousness, leaving the darkness and walking into the light and all the other contrasts that we can think of. Are we earnestly trying to do this? Or are we being held back by something in our lives? Are we holding ourselves back? Why am I not a child of God? Well, let's think of a few reasons that maybe we could use as an excuse. Well, someone said this to me one time, so I stopped trying. Or maybe uh, all these bad things happened to me in my life, so I decided to do this. Or maybe I just don't feel like doing this anymore and following and loving God. But rather, instead, what can I do in my daily life to progress towards God? Well, I can be obedient. I can worship him. I can put him first. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 teaches us that we can choose to make God our goal. Is that not what Paul did? Absolutely. Alternatively, are we willing to examine the possibility of pressing towards the heavenly mark or reach back behind us and cling to that which is not godly. Is it possible for us to turn back to the ways of life that we once lived? Absolutely. Why? Because we have free will. God would never force us to obey Him. How many parents here force their children to love them? You don't have the right to raise a hand. <laughs> None of us would ever force our children to what? Lo love us, right? We would want them to willingly love us. Willingly call us when they're off to college. Willingly reach out to us. Why? Because we want to know that they willingly love us. They want to be a part of our lives. God is the prime example of this. God would never force us to love him. He wants us to willingly love him, correct? Absolutely. So where does that begin? That begins as a child of God and then growing in Christ. Because in that growth, guess what happens? We learn how, we learn how the love of God can develop in our lives into something far greater than we have ever understood. You know that we can choose to go to heaven, right? We can make a conscious decision to go to heaven. Absolutely. I'm going. My bags are packed. There's nothing stopping me. Except for myself, maybe. Therefore, as a child of God, we must always try our best to strive for the goal, which is God himself. Thirdly, we must understand that progress, it brings assurance. Why, though? Why would progress bring assurance? Hebrews 3.14 For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end while it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Interestingly when we choose to become that child of God we become partakers with Christ in that inheritance of an eternal abode. 
We have an ability to hold on to our crown. Or, alternatively, we have an ability to throw the crown down. The choice is ours, is it not? Note. Too far. When we begin to have full assurance of eternal life, we must first look at Jesus himself because of his example of endurance. Are we willing to be steadfast until the end? Are we willing to get serious about what we're doing with our lives right now? Question, if the Lord were to return at this moment, where would we be? Right this second. Would we be going home with him? Or alternatively, would we be going to a place that we do not want to go? I can't answer that question for you. I can answer for myself. That's why when it comes to personal growth in Christ, we can't grow for each other. Well, God, my parents were members of the church. You knew them. Okay, come on in. Is that how it works? No. We individually must choose to grow in Jesus. Notice Matthew 10, 22. Paul said that we can be steadfast if we choose to hold confident and steadfastly unto the end. When we endure this life, we are then preparing for the next life. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures until the end shall be saved. Matthew 24, 13. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Hebrews 6, 9 through 11. Hebrews 6, 9 through 11. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we must speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. When we consider hope and we consider how powerful it can be, is it without evidence? Not at all. It is something that can promote growth in Christ. We must choose to earnestly desire to know more about God, to grow more in God, and to love Him more and more every day. Why? Because he forces us, right? No. He gives us a choice. Why? It's because he loves us. Hope can sometimes be described as a complex emotion of the human mind consisting of a desire for someone to have a known uh, physical object around them and they have hope that that object will work. However, when it comes to God, God is the prime definition of hope. Why? Because he showed us how much he loves us. He gave us the greatest example of love itself. Now who might that be? 
Well, that's Jesus. The one who came in a fleshly form and died for you and I. Are we progressing towards God or rather regressing as a Christian? We can choose either one. But that's the thing. It's a choice, right? The lesson we heard this morning from Brother Forrest. He read a text something about a lying lion, you know, roaring. Question, when a lion is sneaking up on a gazelle in the wild, it's roaring, right? No, the gazelle will run away. Slowly sneaks up on its prey. And at the weakest point, it will attack. Then the lion will roar. Child of God, do not allow the lion to roar. I told you, God, Kyle couldn't follow you. We must always strive to love God and grow in him. Why? So that we can know, we can be partakers of that heavenly abode. When we begin to examine our lives personally, are we willing to look at all the bad spots? Are we willing to follow God's will? And are we willing to love him until the end? Progress in the life of a Christian begins with you and I. And it begins with a free choice on our own. If Christ were to stand before us this evening. And he extended his hand to you and said, follow me. Nah, get out of here. I don't want that Christian stuff. Is that what we would say to him? Absolutely not. We would grab his hand, would we not? Yeah. Is that not what? The gospel does, reaches out. Sure, it reaches out. And then we have the choice to evaluate our souls, our lives, in the moment. If we are not a child of God, guess what? We haven't grown at all. We're so far from God that he will not hear us. However, because of Jesus, we can have an avenue of hope to God. You see what's interesting is, is that when the apostles were in the garden, when Jesus was praying, they were asleep, right? Yeah, they were asleep. Jesus, in, in a sense, was alone. Except for one thing. His father was with him. And he was able to lean on his father for support. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. When Christ was all alone, he had one person, his father. Are we willing this evening to lean on the one person that can support us? And that is Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, who died for our sins. And we are unworthy of such a wonderful sacrifice. Are we willing to examine ourselves at this moment and ask the question, am I doing what God wants me to do? 
Because if not, we've reviewed the answer. We have to make a change. When we begin to progress, maybe in our workplace, things of that nature, what does that also indicate? Change, right? Are we willing to change for God? Are we willing to do that which is right and obey him until the end? Beginning now. If we're not a child of God, please consider this. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Or she. Are we willing to put uh, you know, Christ on in baptism so that our sins are washed away? What happened to Paul when he went to Ananias? Ananias said, Saul, why tarriest thou arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins? Ah, I don't have to follow that Christian stuff. No. He immediately decided to do as he was told by Ananias. Are we willing to go into that watery grave having come in contact with the blood of Christ so that our sins are washed away? What about Romans 6.4? Therefore we are buried by baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Buried in what death? To the death of Christ. That's the only way we can come in contact with his saving blood. Now, are we suggesting that there's blood in the water? No, folks. However, we are suggesting that we must do what the Bible teaches. And that is this, to obey God and love his word. And it begins with you and I. Or rather, if there is a child of God here, maybe we've regressed. Maybe we've fallen from God. Maybe there are some things in our life that has caused us to become uh, very upset or what have you. Question. Do you believe in God as a child of God? Obviously, yeah. But have we ever thought about this? Not only can we believe in God, but God believes in you. If he didn't believe in us, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us. So then why is it that we have regressed, if we have? Are we willing to be right with God and love Him always? Well, you know, I'm not perfect. We've heard that quite often, right? Absolutely. However, we can follow someone who is perfect. And learn how to be more like him every day. And that person is Jesus Christ. So, if we're here this evening. And maybe we are not a child of God. Jesus is extending his pierced hand out towards us. Asking us to obey his father's will. Are we willing to reach out and grab it? God's done his part. Are we willing to do our part and obey the truth so that we can be partakers with Christ one day? Or, much like the prodigal son, if we've gone far from home and we wish to come back, we can choose to do that. Did the dad, as he was running towards his son, become upset? Why'd you spend all that money I gave you? No. 
says that the, the father, the dad of the, of the son, the prodigal son, was running and that he fell on his neck with his arms open to embrace his son who had returned home. That's God, folks. God is running full speed at us with his arms open because he wants us to come home if we've gone astray. So if we're here this evening, please consider the evidence that's been set before you and examine, examine it for yourselves and challenge it, if you will, because in the end, we have to follow the Bible. So, if there's anyone here this evening and we're in need of baptism, or we'd like to come home, please stand and sing this song of encouragement with us. <laughs>